0: with you as a, uh, as a teacher of the Word of God, one of the most uh, difficult and also one of the most awesome responsibilities that we have is to talk about Jesus. And uh, you would think that'd be the easy stuff. Hey guys, do a series called The I Ams of Jesus. And I mean, after the last two series that we have you know, taught on a lot of Old Testament and we've delved into a lot of history of Israel, you would think that would be the difficult stuff. And, and I think Josh experienced that last week as well, but when you are trying to communicate to a group of people, the, the I am of Jesus, like who is Jesus? I, I mean, the, the, the challenge of that is to say, God, I feel so, so unworthy to be able to try to unpack this it'd be a lot easier to say, here's five ways to deal with stress, or here's three ways to kind of help in your marriage. But when you delve into the I am statements of Jesus, you're talking about the awesomeness of who Jesus is. So if we could just pray as we get started, and all of us together, kind of, when we enter into this room, we have to think through, God, God, would you help me understand who Jesus is? Because I don't want to just know about him. That's an intellectual thing. I want to know him, and it, in order to know him, we have to delve into the scripture, and we have to get honest with ourselves, and so this is, a, this is an awesome, awesome thing, and so God, we just pray today that as we open your word, that it would teach us and speak to us, and, and God, every, every one of us in this room, we are when it comes to the perfection of Jesus and who he is, we, we fall short of that, and so God... Just use me as a cracked vessel today to try to present who you are to a group of people who desperately need to know, both in this room and outside this room, not just about you, but you, who need to understand the greatness of our God. And God, and as we open your word, would you just not only inform our mind, but you would inspire and enliven our hearts. And God, we just thank you for... Your grace in this as well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus said it this way in John 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, when Jesus said that, you have to understand the setting of that that imagery. In John chapter 8, when he says, I'm the light of the world, it's on the heels of John chapter 7. And what's happening in John 7? In John 7, the Jews are celebrating what's called the Feast of Tabernacles, and the Feast of Tabernacles was was a festival that lasted a week. And in this festival that lasted a week, they were celebrating how God had delivered their ancestors out of the slavery of Egypt and into the wilderness and how God provided for them while they were in the wilderness. And so the festival was a week-long celebration of how God had given them grace and provided for them and inspired them along the way. There were a couple of primary celebrations during the Feast of Tabernacles, and one of them was called Water Libation. And and the priests literally went to the Pool of Siloam took a pitcher of water and poured it upon the altar. And in that, they were thanking God for, you remember back in the Old Testament where Moses had hit the staff on the rock and water poured forth. And, And so they were celebrating the fact that while they were in the wilderness, God gave them water. And they were also praying that God would still provide water for them and for their crops in this upcoming season. But also during the Feast of Tabernacles, they had what was called the Illumination Ceremony. And this involved the lighting of four golden oil-fed lamps that were 75 feet high. Now, just picture this for a moment. It happened at nighttime. And it reminded the people of how God led them in the wilderness with a pillar of fire by night. And that ceremony was done at night as they lit these huge candle abras that lit the courtyard there in the temple. Now imagine those four golden oil lamps, 75 feet high, and how they lit up the the temple courts. That's John 7. John 8, the very first words say, at dawn, Jesus went to the temple. And here's what's amazing. So here are all these golden lamps, and they're maybe flickering because it's getting to be daylight, and maybe they have been lit all night long. And Jesus suddenly comes in and says, I know we're celebrating water, but I, have, I can give you living water. And I know that we're celebrating light, but, but listen, guys, you may be impressed with these candelabras, candle but I am the light of the world. Now, that is such a bold statement in that context because they are celebrating everything good about their history. They're celebrating how God had delivered them. And in the middle of that, Jesus comes in and says, hey, you're celebrating something in the past. I'm telling you right now, I am the light of the world. And so when Jesus spoke to the people in John chapter 8, verse 12, he said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. I know where I come from. I know where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from, and you do not know where I'm going. Now, this is an awkward moment for a preacher, Right? I mean, when somebody, usually you guys might give an occasional amen, get it, preach, I don't know, but this guy just stands up. I've had even an occasional interruption by popcorn, amen, right, popcorn? he like might jump up and say, hey, listen, but listen, but, but here's the deal. This guy gets up in the middle of the sermon and says, you are a liar. Now, can you imagine how awkward that is? I mean, I might be like security, you know, Heckler. But Jesus just takes this in, and the guy's like, this, you're a liar. And Jesus said, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know me. You don't know where I come from. And the truth is, you don't know God. Now, for us, we might say, well, what was the big deal for the Pharisees? Why were they so upset about this? Why was this a big deal? And and it's because so much of their history was based on light, And the light of God. In fact, it started way back in Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to use Genesis 1 as kind of our outline for today. Because in the history of Israel and the history of the world, one of the greatest moments happened the very first words of the Bible, which were In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And so for the Pharisees, they believed that when Jesus said, I am light, he was saying, I am God, which is ironic because he is God. But to them, they thought it was blasphemy, and it made them enraged. But Jesus was saying, God created the world. That's me. He's saying, I am the light of the world. God said, let there be light, and I am here. And look at the condition of the universe before God created. It was formless. It had no structure, no design, no purpose. The world was empty. It was lifeless. It was void of vitality. And it was dark, without light, no light, no presence. And yet, the Spirit of God was hovering. God was about to change things. What was formless was going to be carefully and lovingly designed. What was empty was going to be teeming with life. What was dark was going to literally be lit by the light of the world. And here's what I want you to realize today, and here's the outline that I'm going to use. That we're not just talking about the earth now, we're talking about you and me. That when we think about what was formless and what was empty and what was dark, prior to our relationship with Jesus, what was true about the universe in the beginning is true about us before Jesus stepped in. A life without Christ is a life without purpose. I'm not saying you wouldn't have goals or aspirations or desire. I am saying that before Christ enters into your life, you don't fully realize the purpose that God has for your life. And that's why point number one is we were formless, and what was formless was then designed. You know the Bible actually says about you that you were designed. It wasn't just that your mom and dad were good at family planning, or for some of you guys, you were a total accident. You thought, you've said that for years. Oh, I was a big mistake. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. Psalm 139, even in the, in the darkness, uh, it will not be dark to you. And it says, The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Think about that. God himself formed you. You're not here by accident. His light shined on you. He, 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 he took what was formless and he designed it. Now, the number one question that I get from people these days is, uh, what is God's purpose for my life? What is God's will for my life? What am I supposed to do with my life? Why am I here? And I think one of the greatest places to see that is in 1 Peter chapter 2, where it says that you were designed as a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Man, if you ever feel unworthy, read that, read that verse right there. You're a chosen person. You're a special possession. You're a holy nation. If you ever feel unworthy, if you ever feel less than, read that verse. And he says, what's your purpose? Every day, your life is to be a declaration of praise. Every day, your life is to be a declaration of praise. There's to be something that when people look at you, they say, there's something different about that person that they are living their life intentionally not just for themselves but for something greater than them that they would be a declaration of praise in for God in their life and listen when you grasp that fact that you are created you were designed by God for a purpose to declare his praises with your every breath it will change you you are created body mind soul all together God created you he knit you together for a very specific purpose And that is that you would live every moment of your life in a way that would give praise back to God. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And he's the light of your life. He has taken you from being formless to being designed with a purpose. And God does not expect you to be perfect. But he does expect you to be making progress. God created you. Here's a second thing that we're told in that moment of creation. Not only was it formless, it was empty. There was no life. The earth was empty before the light came. And what was true of the world is true of you. Before you have a relationship with Jesus, you can not experience ultimate fulfillment. And that, that's true. And I think you'll agree about this, that to be a Christian to really, is to really enjoy life. I tell people that there are two great things about being a Christian. One is eternity. You get heaven when you die, you get forgiveness of your sins, you get hope for eternal life. I mean, what's not to like about that? But you also get God's presence and his peace, and I believe the best life possible right now. Somebody might challenge me and say, are you saying, Stephen, that uh, we can't have a good life without God? Are you saying I can't enjoy things? Well, no, you can enjoy things. I mean, you don't have to be a Christian to eat a good meal or enjoy a good steak or happy meal, whatever your thing is, I don't know. You don't have to be a Christian to vacation at the beach or go to the mountains. You don't have to be a Christian to enjoy physical intimacy. None of those things require you to be a Christian. But here's what I would argue, that in order to experience the fullness of any of those things, the best of those things, the way that God intended them, you must be a Christian. You have a good marriage, you can enjoy a good meal, you can have a good vacation, but you are missing the most important depths of those things if you don't have a relationship with Christ. Because so much of life's pursuits end up in some empty empty kind of a feeling. And I know a whole lot of people that strive for pleasure and power and greatness, and then in the end of all of that, they find themselves saying, there's still something missing in my life. I remember uh, several years ago in 2005, Tom Brady did an interview, and uh, this was prior to, I think he had won three Super Bowls at the time, and they were asking him, you know, boy, isn't this great? And and you have all this stuff, you have all this money. I mean, I think most people, when they think about Tom Brady, they think this guy's really achieved everything that you'd want in life. And, And here's what he said, I still feel like there's more. I still feel like there's more. Now, maybe he meant, I feel like there's more opportunities to strive for something else. That maybe there's more Super Bowl rings to have. But I can tell you this, at the end of his sixth, his seventh, however many he ends up getting now, I, I, at the end of all of that, that, that what we find is that at the end of life, there is still an emptiness if you miss the true meaning of life. That's why Jesus came to bring us from emptiness to life. In John chapter 1, verse 4, it says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And Jesus was life. He's the personification of life. And that life, that, his life, is the light of all mankind. One time Jesus said in John 10, The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they have about, may have life and have it to the full. And uh, if you want to have the best of life, not just in eternity, but here, Then you have it with Christ. You move from emptiness to life. You find yourself having purpose, a depth of relationships, and intention in your day-to-day life. And I really believe that those who follow the principles of of Christ, that are written about in the Scripture and lived out in Christ, they will have more peace, more joy, more fulfillment than they could ever have experienced apart from God. The earth was formless. It was empty, and darkness hovered over the surface of the deep. Apart from Christ, I will speak for myself here. My life was dark. Yes, I had some joy, but in those moments where I have separated myself from Christ, things get pretty dark. Darkness. That word is probably best described as the absence of life or the absence of light. It's not so much something you see, it's something you don't see. Where there is no light, you have darkness. When, uh, back in junior high, uh, there was a class that took a, a field trip to Mammoth Cave in Kentucky. It was really an educational trip, learned a lot about caves. And one of the things I learned by experience is that there is not a darker place on the face of the earth than when you're under the earth. And during the tour, our guide, gathered us all together to give us the true experience of what ultimate darkness would be like. And you, if you've been there, you know that they do this. And, and in the middle of the tour, they say, we're going to shut off the lights. Now, don't move. Everybody, you know, take care. Don't do it. We're just, this is going to be a few moments. So they shut the lights off. And you're there in the darkness. There's several people who gasp. It's so dark, you're not used to it. You can't even see your hand in front of your face. And, and, and as soon as the lights went off, there are people, there's an immediate reaction to that. Maybe a little bit of fear, if, if it lasted very long, a little bit of a lonely feeling, and just imagine if it lasted for five minutes, ten minutes, what about an hour in that place of darkness? Darkness does some strange things to you. When I was a child, we lived right next door to my grandma and papa's house, and I'd go over and visit with them, and then often, after dark, I would take that long walk, which now, I've been on that walk several times since then, it's really not that far, but back then it seemed like a long, long way, and... I would walk from their house to to our house, and I can still remember the feelings that I had. A chill would begin to run up my back, that little hairs on the back of my neck would stand up, and I'd pick up speed until I was running with all my might to my house, and I was so relieved when I pushed open the door to my home and I came into the light of the living room. There was no better feeling than that. Darkness does some strange things to you. It makes you fear when there's nothing there. It causes your mind to do crazy things. It causes your ears to pick up on things that otherwise you wouldn't have noticed. It causes our imagination to run wild. In the darkness, in the darkness, there is loneliness and fear and anxiety. And sometimes it's very frightening and sometimes it's very dangerous. The Bible uses darkness as a metaphor to describe what life is like without God. When you live without His love, when you refuse to follow his direction, when you choose foolishness over his wisdom, you find yourself in a dark place. Perhaps that's why Jesus talked a lot about this. In fact, darkness is mentioned over 200 times in the Bible. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 16. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned in reference to Jesus. John 3, 19. This is the verdict, light, Has come into the world. But people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Jesus said, I'm the light. I brought you out of the dark world. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. But he said that because he knew there was another power at work in the world. And that was without light, there is darkness. Without good, there is evil. And the enemy is doing everything he can to keep as many people as he can in darkness. John chapter 3, verse 19. He said, light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be plainly seen that what he has done has been done through God. Here, friends, is what I want you to understand in this point. That all of us, every single person in this room, lives, has lived in the dark, uh, sometimes goes back to the dark. And for some of you guys, you're still living very deeply in the dark today. Here's what I want you to understand. Until you grasp the darkness of this world and the darkness of your own heart, you will never fully appreciate or celebrate the light of Christ. You see, to, to an extent, our eyes have really adjusted to the darkness these days. An amber alert comes on the radio, and it's just another drive to work the news reports another murder downtown and we lie on the couch and grab another handful of chips we have grown used to the darkness there's so much chaos around us A co-worker is arrested for domestic violence a teenager commits suicide a fatal car accident has backed up the freeway but we're frustrated because we're late for dinner you see friends the reason that we don't always notice the darkness, and it's hard for me to admit this, is because we are part, at times, of the darkness. We are part of living a comfortable kind of what we think is a comfortable reality in the midst of the darkness. And while we don't want to admit that, it's true. All of us have a certain part of our life that's dark. And you, Did I really just say that to my spouse? Did I really just let my eyes watch that? Did I really just let my mind think that? Did I really just cheat on that test? Did last night really happen? Where did that come from? Are you ever caught off by the gar- darkness within you? And if you're not caught off by it, then you have to ask yourself, why am I getting used to the darkness? And can I tell you something? I'm not a child anymore, but, and you're not either, but we still need to be afraid of the dark. John 12, 46 says, Jesus said, I've come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in the darkness. Jesus is compelling you. He is asking you. He's saying, don't stay in the darkness. In other words, once you are in the light, stay in the light. And if you're like me, you're drawn back into darkness, drawn back into the darkness of discouragement, drawn back into the darkness of self-doubt, drawn back into the darkness of loneliness or temptation. And some of you, You're you're so much in that right now that, that you have lost yourself in the darkness. You thought you could control it, but like a dimmer light, things have gotten darker and darker and darker, and you've discovered the darkness will always take you further than you ever intended to go. Maybe it takes you from yelling at the kids to being abusive. It takes you from a few drinks with friends to not being able to go a day without getting drunk. It takes you from looking at a few pictures in a catalog to spending hours online looking at graphic images. It takes you from stealing a few dollars out of petty cash to embezzling thousands. It takes you from the little indulgence to crippling credit card debt. There's a song by the Casting Crowns that says, It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray. Thoughts invade, choices are made, a price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day, it's a slow fade, it's a slow fade. And you have to evaluate today in your own mind, where is it that you have drawn back into the darkness? Alone, afraid, uncertain, a sense of panic. And if you don't have those feelings, you have to ask yourself, why? Why do I not feel that way anymore? Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5, You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the dark night or the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and hope of salvation as a helmet. If you are experiencing darkness in your life, listen to those words in First Thessalonians. Put on faith, put on love, put on hope in your life. If you're experiencing the darkness of suffering, maybe some physical suffering that you're going through or somebody that you love, let the light of God's joy come into your heart by saying, God, no matter what happens on this earth, we know that you have a better plan ahead. If you've let the darkness of anxiety come over you and cloud over you, then allow the light of God's peace to break through your darkness. Begin to pray once again and say, God, rather than thinking about all the chaos in the world, help me to find peace that passes understanding in you. Maybe you find yourself in a dark place because of your own mistakes, your own failures. You just made some decisions you wish you could do over. You just wish you could go back, do some things differently, and you wonder, why did I do that? Why did I... Follow that path. How did I get involved in that? How did I get caught up with this? And I'm telling you, friends, no matter how dark it may seem right now, the light of Jesus can still break through. A light has dawned in the darkness. And God calls his people and says, I am the great light. I'm the light of the world. And in him there is no darkness at all. Now he says, now live as children of light. Live as people who believe and know that we don't have to stay in the darkness of discouragement or, or despair or temptation, that we can stay in the light of Christ. And again, Christ is expecting not perfection, but progress, that we would move from this side to that side, that we would look at our own life. And I just want to do a little test for you today. I mean, if you're just going to put your life on a little scale and say, darkness, delight, I mean, are you... And zero, let's say zero is the middle. Are you moving more toward a negative balance? Are you moving more toward the darkness, or are you moving more to the light? Are you, like a, are you like right in the middle? Well, if you are, Jesus said, don't do that. He said, I'd rather you be hot or cold, but don't be lukewarm. Don't be in the middle. And, and those of you who are kind of creeping to the darkness, you have to say, how far am I into that? Am I a negative one today? Have I gone all out? I'm a negative ten. I feel so far away from the Lord today. Or maybe you're like, I'm making progress, I'm not perfect, but I'm like a one, I'm a two, I feel like I'm more in the light than not in the light, and I am heading that direction. I have better thoughts about my life, I have better planning for my life, I have better ideas about where I'm headed, I, I trust the Lord more, I'm spending more time with Him. Our, our goal in life is to say, God, how can we get more on that side? How can we avoid the darkness? And some of you right now, you feel the darkness in the circumstances of your life. And you say, God, I want to move more toward the light of love. And and by the way, as you do that, here's an amazing thing that happens. Jesus not only said, I'm the light of the world. You know what he said in the Sermon on the Mount? You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, he says. or or Neither do people put a, a light on a lamp and put it under a bowl. They don't cover it up. Instead, they put it on a stand. That way it gives life to Everybody. And what I want to say is the more that you live in the light, the more that you get to be the light for other people in your life, the more that you get to inspire them, encourage them, help them, the more that you are reflecting the light of the sun. You see, the moon doesn't actually have light on its own. It just reflects the light of the sun. And you, you don't have light on your own. You're just reflecting the light of the sun. Everywhere you go, your attitude, your hope, how you do things, makes a big difference in this world. And Jesus, interestingly, in the Sermon on the Mount said, let your light so shine before men that may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. In other words, it's not about your, uh, your theology. It's not about your doctrinal purity. It's not about your political stances. It's not about your moral superiority. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so what that means is what are you doing with your life today? that shines light to other people just through those little things, those little acts of kindness, those little ways to care about somebody that says, I believe in you, and I believe in Christ, and I want to reflect that light back to you. I read the story of Rose Crawford. Um, She had been blind for 50 years, and uh, she had an operation at a hospital in Ontario. She was born blind, blind for 50 years. She had an operation, and suddenly her sight was restored, and she could see. All she had known, imagine this, all she had known was blackness her whole life. Now she can see the light. And when they took off the bandages, she wept and wept and wept. For the first time, she saw a dazzling and beautiful world that she had always imagined but could not see. Now, as I read that story, what amazed me for the, was for the past 20 years of her life, um, the blindness in her life had been completely unnecessary. She didn't know it. But when she was about 30 years old, there were some surgical techniques that were developed and would have allowed her to see. The doctor who performed the operation said that she just figured there was nothing that could be done about her condition, and so she accepted the darkness. Here it is, the solution right in front of her for the last 20 years of her life, the available surgery, and she just could not quite accept that that was possible for her. And what I'm saying to you is this. There are some of you here in this room today who literally believe that you are living in so much darkness that there is no more light available for you. And can you imagine the sadness of that? Saying, man, I I didn't even know. I didn't know there was hope. I didn't know there was something better. Or if there was, I certainly didn't think that God would give it for me, that God would do it for me. And that's what the enemy wants you to believe. That you are so far from God, that you're so much in darkness. There is no more light for you. There's no more hope for you. There's not. And listen, I'm just telling you, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Not I'm the light of the world except for so-and-so. I'm the light of the world except for this person. Jesus, it's not based on you. It's based on him. It's not based on your perfection. It's based on his. It's not based on how good you are. It's based on how great and gracious God is. That's why, honestly, when I, when I feel like I, like I started in the whole beginning of this message, that when you get up to teach and you know as a teacher that when you're sharing with people and you're, you're saying this, you're, you're as human as they are. And you're saying, God, I, I just want your light to shine through me. And that's an awesome thing. It's an awesome, incredible task. And His light is available for me. His light is available for you. One of the things that's about to happen in uh, two weeks, we're going to have Easter. And on Easter, we're going to have a big baptism day. I I don't know how many people are going to be baptized, but if you want to do that. The Bible says that when we're baptized into Christ, we die to our old way. We're really dying to the darkness. We're raised to new life. And some of you may want to make that decision. If you do, let us know. We'd love to be able to baptize you that day in that tank and to be able to say, God, we want to go from darkness to light. We want to go from death to life. We want to go from hopelessness to hope. And God, we need your light to shine through us. And so, toward that end, I just want to pray for you today as we, as we think about that, we think about your life. God, you are the great I am. There, I mean, really, there was nothing else to be said than that. When, when they ask, who, who are you? Just tell them, I am. I, I mean, I am the light of the world. I'm the door, I'm the good shepherd, I'm the bread of life, you take from me, you'll never grow hungry. I'm I'm the water of life, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am, I am, I am. These are the words of Jesus. God, thank you for being our light. Thank you for giving us hope in a dark world. God, thank you that in the midst of chaos and darkness, we are able to see the light of hope in the light of grace, and the light of truth. God, thank you for giving us not only the promise of eternal life with you, but also the hope and the joy and the peace that we have in this life right now. And so, God, for those who are living in darkness, there are dark parts of their life they don't want anybody to see or experience. God, I pray that you would allow them to, to feel your grace, that you would shine light in those dark places. God, for those who who feel discouraged or anxious today or lonely, I pray, God, that your light of hope would shine in their life, that they would know that your presence, your peace that passes understanding is available to them. God, help them to pray a simple prayer today. God, I I need your light in my life. God, thank you for designing us. Thank you for filling us and giving us life. Thank you for giving us light. God, I pray for Easter Sunday that as people come, that there will be those who want to be baptized into Christ and they do want to go from darkness to light in that moment. Thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you, God, for giving us Jesus. And today we just worship you in return in our simple way to say thank you, God. Thank you for loving us. We pray in Jesus' name.